welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be wrapping up our discussion on the book Being of Power by Baron Baptiste. And we've spent the last three episodes taking a really deep dive into three specific practices. So we did Be a Yes, Give It Up to Get Empty, and Embrace Naked Reality. And then in today's episode, we're going to explore some of the highlights from the remaining six practices that Baptiste writes about in his guide to igniting an empowered life. So you don't need to have listened to any of the previous episodes to get anything out of this one, nor do you need to have read the book to benefit from today's discussion. So let's jump right in. So the book is called Being of Power. And so let's talk about the idea of power. What comes to mind when y'all hear that word? Beyonce. <laughs> I just, yeah, probably not. I don't know. Like, Accurate at the all. World, girls. Uh, yeah, like yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. like I just, you know, like again, I mean, this is her performing self. I have, I have no personal relationship with Beyonce. She's not a sponsor of our podcast. <laughs> but, but, I mean, but, say that but, we can add her to the list of but, potential sponsors. But she can be added on there with some of the other people I've mentioned previously. But I mean, just kind of seeing like physically, like the strength and the demeanor that she has you know and I just I want to walk around in some of those outfits with fans blowing my hair you know <laughs> like all the time just like so she's like your image of power she's like my image yeah uh-huh. yeah she's like an, an image of power yes uh-huh of that <laughs> and I think like a lot of times when I get those images like either her or like Robin Arzon, who's a Peloton instructor, who I really, she seems to be a very powerful, like, you know, she speaks intentionally and I just some Robin. of her sayings, like I love her sayings, like, you know, straighten your crown. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. I only ride with royalty. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Like all of those sorts oh, of, I love her like sayings and mantras and things like that. She introduces, you know, it kind of, it gets you fired up. Oh yeah. And I think that's what being of power to me, there feels like there's this fire when I feel empowered and those, those women kind of like, personify that for me. So I think one of Robin's state sayings like that is turn why me into try me. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember a ride when I first heard her say that, and that made me feel powerful. It was like, cause I, that why me of like, Oh, why me? Why me? So like, try me. Like I've got this, I'm in my power. Like, try me. Like uh-huh. you've got, I've got this. So I think that some of those little kernels, pearls can really kind of access like, that power. Yeah. yeah. Like inspiring. For it sure. Can be very inspiring. Yeah. yeah. And almost y'all are both are describing this shift between <laughs> almost like a quiet meek shutting mm-hmm. down and then this like powerful fire opening up. Like even if y'all could see their bodies as they're like saying these different things. Like taking up more space. It yeah. is. It's like expansive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about when you think of power? Does these are very like positive sorts of feelings and emotions that are coming up. Does the opposite ever come up? Like feeling revulsed or any judgment or any sense of wanting to shrink? I think being women, and I think especially like being a woman 
that I'll speak for myself that like, you know, grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, and then went on to grad school. And like, there were some certainly some times that if there was power in the room, it was not mine. I think that a lot of people have that experience for a variety of different reasons. So I think a lot of times when I think about power, I don't necessarily relate it to myself. Mm -hmm. That's a new experience for me. I think that probably until pretty recently, that when I thought about power, it was more of like an other, like if power was going to relate to me, it was because I was under someone's power or under someone's control. And so I think that claiming that expansive, like embracing power, that's a new Mm -hmm. experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think like as far as the negative aspects, when I think about it, I think of people sort of like not really so much power as it is maybe aggression and control, like misusing it and then portraying it as something that's powerful. And Mm. I think, you know, one of my roles is that I'm a a supervisor of my grad students and I'm always trying to keep in mind like that there is this power differential between us because I am in a position of authority and one that, I mean, honestly, I'm a gatekeeper into our field and have to make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing legally, ethically, and so on and so forth. But I don't ever want to be aggressive or abusive Mm. or shaming in any kind of way in order to get my own way or have things done my own way. And I will say, you know, that I've had supervisors in the past who were pretty freaking awful, to be quite honest, very shaming. And it, and it does not put you in a place of wanting to open up or be vulnerable or or any of that. And so that's something that I'm always conscious of when I'm with my trainees. So almost this idea of power over other people yeah. and kind of misuses of power. Mm-hmm. And what I like, Baron refers, references power as being generated from within mm-hmm. for the sole purpose of leading your life from a place of strength and grace. Right. So he describes this relationship between power and authenticity. How would y'all describe that relationship? Yeah. I mean, I think to be truly powerful, I mean, I think you do have to come from a place of authenticity. And I, I will say that when I feel really touched or connected to someone, it is with individuals who are really authentic about their whole full human experience. It's not a filter. It's not some sort of image of of perfection. Those are the most powerful things that I see. Those stories, you know, about people's experiences that they share, that's the stuff that I feel is like very powerful things when people are authentic. I think that was a real shift for me, this like idea of being of power as being an internal individual kind of experience versus like you were saying, like power over. Mm-hmm. And I even think sometimes about like giving power away, like whether, I mean, I give a lot of power away by like needing to please and that I can't really feel comfortable or powerful unless I'm like, okay with everyone or whatever. But I think that this really helped to see that like we have everything we need to be in power and that that's an inside job. It's not something that's in relationship to other people was a real new kind of spin on it for me. Yeah. And this idea that your like deepest power comes from what you already know inside. Mm -hmm. And this has been interesting over the years I've given presentations and especially earlier on, you know, I would try to kind of gather as much information as possible. And it's been more recently where when I have to do presentations and even with the podcast, I think the ones that I have felt like I've had the most power with have been ones where I just spoke from my experience, right? I didn't do a ton of extra research. I didn't try to like convey someone else's idea, but I tried to tap in with what have I lived? What do I know? What's this wisdom that's like embodied inside of me? And things tend to go better when I can operate from that place. Yeah, I would say, well, 
sort of. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to like, to be quite honest, like, I think it's a habit that I've had for a long time to prepare and, you know, I teach and all of that. And so there is a certain level of preparedness, I think, for those in those contexts that I have to have, you know, but, you know, like for this, yes, even though I may come in with, you know, like a couple of pages of notes, like I think I feel like I'm getting better when I can just narrow it down to just a few questions, think about some examples from my own life ahead of time. And then it just feels like for us, you know, that it kind of flows more smoothly when we're able to just be here, be present with each other and talk directly from our experience. Do you often work with clients who are almost trying to be someone else, right? Like they come up with this list of like who they should be, like activities they should be involved in or achievements they should have or the way their life should look, right? And how do we almost, I think that's a big part of the work we do is how do we help people like let go of those external checklists and really tap into who they are inside, because you're never going to be the best at someone being someone else. Right. Like that you're always going to do best when you're like trying to be the best you versus trying to be someone else. Yeah, I think it's really important to have clients or, you know, even my students, you know, tap into their their why of why they're doing what it is that they're doing. Why is it that it matters to them? What are the possibilities for them versus foreclosing on some of, you know, like, different opportunities and options because they have such a tunnel vision of who they think they should be versus actually who they are. And I think that that's something that trips a lot of people up. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of people come in to see a therapist when they are kind of out of that authenticity that like that thought or belief about what they should be in life is not matching up with what like actually is what actually is happening. And I think trying to kind of bridge that gap and and also to kind of well, as we were talking about before, kind of claiming that power internally versus like farming it out, right? And kind of being able to say, like, I can't be a power until this external yeah. thing happens. Yeah. Shoot, that's something I feel in my my own life a lot too. I see people either who I admire or respect and I see what they're doing. And there's a part of me that wants to kind of emulate aspects mm-hmm. of that. And I think some of that is fine, but then also realizing like, ooh, I'm going to get trapped. Like if I try to emulate someone else, I think I've got to like tap into what's true for me. Because I think trying to emulate or do something that's not authentic gets you up in your head, right? Because then you're like doing some mind reading, like, oh, if I'm trying to emulate Lucy, like what would Lucy do in this situation versus like what would Avery do? Or if I really want to be like Jamie as a speaker, I've got to spend all my speaking time trying to copy Jamie versus just like being Avery as a speaker. And it, it does, it requires a lot of mind work where I think the power that we're talking about is like more heart work. It's more down into the body, into the heart. I like that description. What are some other ideas, some of your other favorite ideas from the book that we haven't yet touched on? One of the little pearls that I really liked, it was just like a little quote, is this idea of what is being right costing you? And he talks about the allure of being right. And I'm a person that I really like to be right. A lot. Like mm-hmm. that is a real stumbling block for me. And I'm just going to interrupt because it's funny you say that because I don't perceive you as that way. Jamie, I don't know what you think about Avery, but like you don't strike me. Actually, you are incredibly like open and willing to see other perspectives and like own your pieces of things. So at least in our relationship, I don't feel that. That's so nice to hear that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's progress. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But 
I definitely get the allure of wanting to be right. And I think that I have a lot of shame and blame when I'm not right. I love that idea of like, what is being right costing you? Because I think, again, being right, that's a mind work thing, right? And trying to get so caught up and trapped in the I've got to be right, which usually means somebody else has to be wrong. That feels like it pulls you out of your heart and like your authenticity and, and into this like thinking story thing that we've been talking about. So I really liked that one. Yeah, I agree. I like that whole chapter on it's called clean up the messes. Mm. And he talks about how fear is behind all of that need to be right, that self-righteousness, all of those sorts of behaviors. And he, you know, talks about when people get defensive, you know, when they're when they're given feedback, you know, when we are feeling threatened, a lot of times we're going to defend ourselves, however we know how. And, you know, when we hold on to that, he says, we hold on to the rightness, embrace our fear, we take ourselves out. And he said, there's zero power in this behavior. And so I think, like, what he asked is, how do we hold on to that? Like, how are we holding on to things? And, you know, when we get feedback, do we view it with sort of this openness where we can see it as a chance to grow? Or does it just sort of kind of take us out, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and removes us from that? I also like the chapter on defy the lie. Right. And one Mm. of the things he's a very like specific practice in there that I think maybe we've all played around with a little bit so we can share kind of what we came up with. But this idea that the lie that I'm giving up is blank, right? My new way of being is blank. And this is what I'm committed to. So what did y'all come up with for that? So I actually, a similar practice happened in a retreat that I went to in May. And we actually had this beautiful kind of ceremony at the end where we kind of like got to come up with our lie and throw it to a fire. And it was so awesome. It was just great. So what I, because I wrote it down in my journal, it was actually nice to kind of go back through it last couple of days. But what I had written down and completely still am, am on board with is the lie that I give up is that I am in control of all aspects and people in my life. And my new way of being is present and truthful. And in this exercise, we would finish that by saying, this is who I am. And I still really hold on to that. It's a practice, right? I think that sometimes I can get back caught up in that lie. But yeah, I like that one. What about you? Yeah. And I think for me right now, the lie that I am giving up is that I have nothing unique to offer Mm. others. And then as far as the the second part, so my, my new way of being is of possibility and courage. And in that chapter, he says kind of like ended off with, and this is what I'm committed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. I can be verbose. So I had like six different versions with 20 different things I wanted to give up. And as I tried to get down to like essential, I think all of my lies like really circled around to this lie of me not being enough, right? Mm -hmm. So mine is like the lie that I give up is that I'm not enough. My new way of being is playful, abundant, and totally human. And this is what I'm committed to. So which is really, really cool. I had a on, we did the same thing on the retreat I was just at. And I have a good friend of mine who she gave me permission to kind of read hers aloud because I really liked hers too. She said, my old way of being was that my needs come last. My new way of being is radically selfish. This is who I am. I love that. I know. I was like, how cool is that? (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. 
Yeah. And I, and I like too how he says, you know, when this comes up for us, because it's one thing to declare it, right? I mean, we can declare it, but it's another thing to kind of like in our previous podcast, Lucy, where you were talking about dropping the bricks. I mean, just because we declare it doesn't mean that it's not ever going to come up again, right? And so like each time it comes up, we need to declare it every time. Like when I'm feeling like that sense of doubt or whatever about, you know, offering up whatever it is that I'm trying to offer up to others and not thinking that it's going to be enough, you know, that I need to say, nope, that's the lie that I give up. That's not who I am. Who I am is of whatever your declaration is for me. It's of possibility and courage. I'm learning about myself that I forget these things pretty easily too. Like there's some like great ideas and great insights and then I just forget, right? And so how do I put them, make them visible like in my world somewhere so I will see them and encounter them to kind of remind myself because there's that drift. Mm -hmm. Easy to forget, easy to forget. One of the ideas that I heard on my retreat was like writing it on your mirror in your bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing now I had that and I think it's been erased now. I probably need to throw that back up on that mirror. Yeah. But I I think any concrete reminder like that, that you can have to kind of bring you back to your purpose, it's really helpful. What else from the book resonates? One little phrase that I really connected with, I really liked was this idea of having the opportunity to be an example or a warning and that wanting to be an example versus wanting to be a warning. I think I'm a person sometimes, especially if I'm feeling really stressed and put upon and resentful, I definitely give out that warning energy of like, I'm pissed off and back away. And this idea that like, those are your choices to be an example or a warning. And oh gosh, I'd rather be an example. And I Mm -hmm. I think it's really, it kind of sounds funny to say, but I think in some ways it's helped me to like grow up a little bit and realize that I am a grown up. I'm 43 years old and I want to be an example of like a good well put together adult that's like safe for people to talk to or engaging or present. And so I think that idea of like being an example really kind of opens me up and lets me kind of feel more powerful. I mean, truly, I think that that is, I really like that idea. Yeah. And I like that quote too by Baron. something that I've heard at the leadership training that I've done and that Lucy, that you've done too, about being a warning versus being an example. I've heard that quite a bit. <laughs> so that's been on my mind a lot. I like in the chapter about setting your sights on your North Star. Mm. He says, in, in life, we must all sometimes know pain, but we also need to be fully aware of the ways we disempower ourselves by undermining or sabotaging the process of transforming our intentions into reality. At the end of the day, we either have the results we want, our intentions made real, or we have the reasons, stories, and justifications for why we don't. So, in the person whose being of power doesn't dwell in explanations and excuses, but rather in what's happening in reality and the realization of conscious results. So, I like that differentiation and really that empowering way to be to help us differentiate between what's going on right here, right now in reality and what we can do versus all of the stuff up in our heads that we can make excuses about why we don't have what we have or why our life isn't the way that how we want it to be. I like that in True North chapter. Mm -hmm. I think another thing he talks about in there is that idea of shifting from acquiring more strategies and skills. Mm -hmm right? To instead exploring and authentically engaging with questions. And he lists some, like, what is my life really going to be about? What does it mean to be human? Like, what matters most? And what kind of person are we evolving to be? An Mm. energy taker or an energy creator? I like that question a lot. What do y'all do in your life that creates energy? So when you think about that, like, where in your life? Well, this podcast creates a lot of energy for Uh me. I think 
this came from actually, I think it was pretty mutual, a feeling of like wanting to do more, do something different, maybe not more, but some, do something different, new. And this has been a huge energy creator for mm-hmm. me, both like the creativity, but just also the being with you guys and having that purpose that's different, huge yeah. gen- energy generator for me. I agree. I think there's something to that, like working with other people, the sense of like shared responsibility, bouncing ideas off each other, support, teamwork, like that there's something really energy creating about that. Yeah. I think, yes, most definitely. I would agree about this podcast and it's been a super enjoyable experience from the get-go with lots of learning, I think, for (laughs) for all of us. And also too, you know, I think that when I'm supervising my students, that is a a big energy boost for me. Not always, not all the time, but when I can see that I'm making a a difference, like ensuring that hopefully we're going to have a great supervisory relationship that part of it's their responsibility, but a large part of it is is my responsibility. And I want to be a great supervisor and I want to inspire them to be great psychologists and kind of continue that that cycle on. So that's very energizing for me. Yeah. And looping back to that true north, I think that idea about how do you keep your true purpose, right? And your authenticity and almost, at least as I'm reading the book, my sense is, is how do you stay as connected to all of that as possible? Because that is what it reminds me of the trans scarcity book, right? Like that's where you're going to be in the sense of flow and life is going to operate more easily than in all these other ways where we get stuck or we resist or we're more in scarcity and shut down. I think that's actually one thing that these books have in common is this idea of like being kind of in or out of whether it's the flow, the power, the circle, but just kind of and noticing and learning about yourself the, the things that bring you in and the things that bring you out and just kind of like that self-awareness, self-knowledge that comes from reflection and, and kind of using that to guide you. Yeah. I think they both also have this thread of, of present momentness, mm-hmm. right? I think once again, so often we try to figure things out and make plans and this will happen later, but like, how do we start right where we are? He even has a quote, like wherever our feet are on earth is our path to power, right? So like, how do we get present and be in our feet and just start there? Any other thoughts as we're wrapping up the book for today? Any like, do try this at home we haven't covered? One little pearl that he said, it was just like a little quote. He was talking about this idea of like being messable. Uh And I love that because I think for me, when I get into like expectations or rigidity, like that makes me really messable because if I have a, even a schedule of how things are going to go from like morning till night. And if, if it doesn't go that way, I'm messable. And so I, I like this idea of like kind of being in power is being more flexible and kind of a way I get out of power is being more messable. And I liked that kind of, that idea of like, where am I on that? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, thinking about intentionality, right? So how do we be like clear with our words? How do we be clear with our time and with our intentions instead of being mindless and more on autopilot? And so maybe looking for opportunities in your life to be intentional with your words and how you fill the space in your life and to see what comes up around that. One of the things that I liked that he talked about in our, our interpersonal relationships. He said, when you come from a place of inspiration and sharing rather than judgment and control, people won't feel invalidated or the need to defend and resist and will in turn be more likely to be open to hear what you're saying. And so that's one of those. Can you read all that, Ian? Yeah, Yeah, that's really good. In the chapter about cleaning up the messes and 
one of the bricks that you can drop. He said, when you come from a place of inspiration and sharing rather than judgment and control, two bricks there, judgment and control, people won't feel invalidated or the need to defend and resist and will in turn be more likely to be open to hearing what you're saying. And so when you're able to remove those things, that judgment, right, the control, you can, he talks about transforming the energy in your relationships. So yeah, I like that a lot. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. That wraps up this series. Next week, we are diving into the holidays. So we will have a whole, I think, seven-week series with all things related to holidays. And we are so excited for you to join us in this fun season. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. dot